This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Wow. Knew that was coming. Can you believe it, real life, that in uh, less than a month, Billy and I will have been here for a year. It honestly doesn't even feel real. Because about a year ago, I graduated college, was soon to be married, and decided to travel to Clarksville, Tennessee to be the student minister at this church. I left my family and the place I grew up to go to a place I knew nothing about because I believe that God made it clear to Millie and I that we were supposed to be here. And that decision, it wasn't easy. And many of you do not know this, but I had another opportunity that I was really considering. Millie and her family are from Minnesota, so I applied to be the student minister at a couple of churches near where she grew up. And it was another great church near Millie's family, It was a young church, about 10 years old, with a newly renovated uh, building and youth space. (laughs) However, after much prayer and consideration from the people that we love, we felt Tennessee was the place God was calling us to be. And I can say that confidently this morning because my mother-in-law is here and spending the weekend with us. Making the move here was a life-changing decision where we could only make it with confidence because God gave us peace that he could work all of our worries out. And we could only dream of all the amazing things to come because a lot has happened in a year. I got married after moving to Clarksville about a month later in February. Met all of our amazing students and their families We experienced God-changed lives at events like D-Now, Camp, and Fall Retreat. We built relationships at Thursday lunch hangs and student swim parties. I ended up moving into an apartment this year. We had our groundbreaking on the land, and we saw students commit their lives to Christ and be baptized, and the list goes on and on. And, And I believe we have a lot to be thankful for as a church and as a student ministry, and we can see exactly why God brought us to this special place. But like I said, a lot has happened in a year. There's been a lot of loss, pain, and suffering that we've experienced as a community. And you've probably experienced or been affected by one of the many great tragedies that have occurred around our city. Or you at least know someone who's been directly affected. There has just been too much that has happened in 2023. And I know I've only been here almost a year, but I can feel the loss that you feel because you have allowed my family to be a part of your family. And for that, Millie and I are extremely grateful. And I would now call myself with confidence a Clarksvillian. And as a member of this community, my heart hurts so much because of what we've been through. This week, many of you know that there, there was a fire in the neighborhood right down the street from our church office. Tim and I went to minister to the family that lived there, and when we arrived, the police and firefighters had everything blocked off. 
The house had just been completely engulfed by flames and no part of it was left unaffected. And we were able to go minister to the woman who owned the house and offer any hope of peace that she was going to see in that, in that moment. She was in incredible pain because she had just lost something so dear to her. And yesterday, we all were affected by a tornado that rampaged through Clarksville and created havoc for so many of our families. And last night, as Millie and her mom went quickly to the gas station nearest to our apartments for some snacks, uh, I was sitting on the couch preparing for today, just listening to all of the sirens as first responders were rushing to the scene to bring aid to everyone affected by the storm. This week seemed like any normal week. Seemed like any normal week, but so quickly that had changed. And I'm thankful to be a part of a church that reacts so quickly when our neighbors are in need. And right now there is a great need in our community. Today we are talking about the theme of peace in our Advent series. And I believe we need peace right now. Peace that even in the midst of tragedy and pain that all will be well. Because for many in our community, they do not know what the future looks like. And the scriptures share of a peace that surpasses all understanding that I believe we can know and trust. So if you would, let's turn to Micah chapter 5 together. Micah chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 2 through 6 this morning. And as you turn, I will help you catch up, speed you up on where we are. Micah has come on the scene to preach a foreshadowing of God's judgment and the future restoration of his people. Micah, he prophesied during the time where the northern and southern kingdoms are separated. He's prophesying here that God's judgment will come in the form of the Assyrians who are ready and are getting in position to bring destruction to both Jerusalem and Samaria. God, before the time of Micah, he had used many prophets to bring warnings to his people in order to turn them away from their sin, or they would receive the due punishment for their rebellion. God's people did not listen, and so in chapter 5, we pick up, we see a promise of future peace in the midst of impending judgment. And the situation does not look good, and you're all probably wondering right now, how could anyone have peace in a situation like that. Let's read together. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says, but you, O Bethlehem Ephrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel." And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace. When the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will rise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with a sword and the land of Nimrod at its entrances, and he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. This chapter begins with an unlikely promise of peace. And when we look at this position, it's hard to believe, even believe that there can be any peace at all because they know they are about to go through something so incredibly difficult. 
In Micah, he makes it clear, if you read the book of Micah, that God's people have earned their judgment. They were given warnings and they did not listen to them. And now they are paying the price. They are going to endure God's wrath. But God was gracious and merciful to even give his people a chance to repent and to turn back to him and even show these qualities now in the face of this judgment when he gives them this future promise of peace. And if you really think about it, peace is really interesting. As I was preparing for this message, I began to think about my own understanding of peace and I was, sh- I was shocked to find out how little I knew about it. In this passage, I believe we see what peace is not, and when we understand what peace is not, it is going to help us understand what peace actually is. So we see here in this passage that peace is not just the absence of conflict. Peace is not just the absence of conflict. We do not have, we are not going to have peace just because there is no conflict. God, he uses the Assyrians to conquer his people and to, and to bring his judgment. But war is not the only thing that if taken away w- would lead to worldwide peace. Since Adam, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, sin spread to every part of our world. No longer do we live in peace with God, but now there is war, what Micah is prophesying right now. Now, there is famine, and we see one of the greatest examples recorded in Scripture uh, in Genesis where Joseph leads the country of Egypt through seven years of blessing and seven years of severe famine. We see disease, and if we look just to the New Testament, we see the numerous amounts of time Jesus healed people from sickness, and there is so much more. Our world is groaning because of the effects of sin, and we are all affected by it in some way. And we cannot forget, even though we want to forget, but we just came out of a global pandemic. For two years, no one can confidently say when we were going to be able to get back to normal. And people still live in fear of the virus. And so many people experience such terrible loss. And even now, as things are getting back to normal, I know there are things today that I will see that will remind me or bring back memories of that dark time. And if you just watch the news today, you're going to see the world's brokenness in many different ways. There's just always going to be some sort of conflict. And in Micah chapter 5, God gives a promise that even in conflict, his people will have peace. Peace that overcomes the sin of the world because they look to the day a future ruler will come and overcome the sin of this world. Another thing that we see peace is not is peace is not snoozing our problems until the last minute. Every Tuesday as a team, we have Staff Connect. And what that is, it's a staff meeting from 1 o'clock, some days until 2, other days till 3.30. We got a lot of things to talk about sometimes. Um, and we meet just to discuss everything that's going on in the church. But every um, week, we will have a leadership moment. And you think with our incredible leaders, you know, I would, I would take away some incredible nuggets, and I have. But one of the things that has, gosh, uh, stuck with me the most um, is this idea of snoozing an email. So raise your hand, and this it's going to be a lot of people in the room, uh, that you use your email, Gmail, some kind of email um, application on a daily basis. Anybody? Yeah. 
I was woken up as I got to real life that you use email a lot and I'm using it almost each and every day. And so one day for our staff leadership uh, time, uh, Freddie T walked us through how to declutter your email, how to prioritize the things that need to be prioritized. And one of the features that I did not know that existed is snoozing, right? You can snooze an email. So if an email comes to you, that you don't need to look at for a really long time or it's something very far into the future, you can snooze it and you can put it to a date where it'll come back into your inbox at the time you need to see it. And that's the great thing about snoozing an email. You are not, it's not gonna be in your head. It's not gonna be taking up any space. However, the bad thing about snoozing an email is the more emails you snooze, you begin to forget about the priorities that you have. And then they all start to become like deadlines. And then you're worrying about all these things coming up back into your inbox that you need to take care of at the last minute. And I believe we can look at peace similarly to snoozing our emails. When we just snooze our problems or our priorities, it begins to trick our brains into thinking that there is actually not any problem at all. And as we're getting closer and closer to the Christmas season, I mean, today's December 10th, and this is an update, uh, a reminder, if you still need to buy gifts, now's the time to do it. I will probably be spending some time soon. My wife is great at that. The stocking is already stuffed. I still need to do some last minute Chris Christmas shopping. So I'm going to be the guy up here saying, I will be doing that with you. But when you think of Christmas, when you think of this season, you might not think of a peaceful time. Because you have spent all year snoozing your family problems only to begin worrying about them when Christmas comes to town. I don't believe this is peace. At least not the peace that Micah is prophesying here. We're not just delaying our worry and our anxiousness until the last minute. And for some of you, this might sound better than spending all your time worrying about an issue or seeking to get to the root of the problem, whether it's the, an issue at home or at work or with family, whatever it is, I believe we can quickly believe in a false peace that sounds good until the moment you have to deal with that problem, the sin in your life or someone else's sin. And then we just begin to worry and become anxious until you can resume play on the peace that you thought you just had. But I believe God here He's saying that the promise of his future ruler, of this future ruler, will be his people's peace when, when the Assyrians come into their land and tread their palaces. This peace that God offers does not have a snooze button and is active and working in every situation. The last thing I think we see peace is not, is peace is not based on our circumstances. God gives promises to his people and it seems like just like bad timing here. Like no one wants to get lectured or given this promise after receiving a punishment. And for the men in the room, I felt like I've learned one lesson in my first year of marriage. And is that when your wife has a bad day, just be sad with her. Just be sad, right? I am, yeah, amen, sister. Uh, I am a fixer. And ultimately, I want to protect my wife, just like many, and I would say all of the men in this room want to do. I want to help her with anything she needs, and I want to help her solve any problem. 
However, I have learned that Millie, and yes, she has given me permission to say this, just sometimes needs, she just needs to be sad in order to be ready before she fixes the problem. And even things like, hey, I know tomorrow's gonna be better, or it's not your fault, it sounds great to me in the moment, but all she can think about is how her current situation just stinks. And like Tim shared last week with us, I believe there needs to be a time. And something I need to get better at is lamenting and taking the time just to, just to be sad and to weep. He used the example last week of Jesus weeping from the death of his friend Lazarus. But our circumstances, they will always be changing. And one season of life might be filled with amazing memories and another season every week is more bad news. And scripture says in our life, we will have affliction. So how are we gonna be at peace in our valleys and on our mountaintops. Well, the Assyrians, they don't only take control of the northern kingdom of Israel, but they also take control and want to take control of, this, of southern Judah. And King Hezekiah, he's the king of Judah at this time, and the Bible describes him as having a very close relationship with God. King Hezekiah brought about a lot of reform after his father, King Ahaz's terrible and wicked reign. And what King Hezekiah did is he followed God, put God first in everything that he did. And this does not mean that Judah would not be subject to judgment. And so what King Hezekiah did is he prepared to face the Assyrian army. But King Hezekiah's response in the midst of this terrible circumstance is he comes before the Lord and prays for help as they face this great enemy. And in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, Hezekiah says, Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord our God. Hezekiah had a greater belief in the God he served than the circumstances around him. And the Assyrians, they came and they brought destruction, but God protected Jerusalem the capital city, and the next day drove back, drove back the Assyrians. The promise of peace that I believe we see here is greater than any circumstance because the person who gives the promise is greater in every circumstance. So God's people here are left waiting for over 700 years for the promise of a future ruler from Bethlehem that will establish leaders and bring peace. And God is true to his word and fulfills Micah's prophecy in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus is born. He's born in a manger in Bethlehem because they were traveling to be registered. And when it was time to give birth, there was simply nowhere left at the end. So if you would quickly turn with me to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 8 through 14. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. you don't have your Bible, the verses are on screen and you can follow along as I read. Verse 8, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The birth of Jesus is good news of great joy because the prophesied ruler that Micah preached to God's people has been born. The message the angels shared with the shepherds is a message of joy for all people because this baby is not only a ruler from the line of David, but he is also our Savior. The angels identify this baby as the Messiah who would bring peace with God and peace to all men. This baby was to be king, but came into his kingdom in the most humble way. He was born in a manger with no one but his family around him. The angels, after sharing this message with the shepherds, began to worship God because God has just revealed his glory to the world by giving up his son, Jesus. And through Jesus, man would find peace. And this is where I believe we can see what peace is and why this is so important to talk about during, the, during Advent. Peace is remaining in Christ through every season of life. Peace is remaining in Christ through every season of life. So how do we live in the peace that Christ brings? Well, Jesus brings peace because he has satisfied the punishment for our sin to God. We were created to be with God and worship him, but because of our sin, we are to be separated from God for eternity in hell. And the wages of our sin is, de is death, and we as sinful people cannot save ourselves from our eternal punishment. However, the good news is that Jesus came to earth to save his people and was obedient to God all the way to his death, where he would give up his life to ensure we would be freed from our sin, freed from our old sinful life, and through his resurrection, we would be able to live in new life where Christ lives in everyone who has placed their faith in him. Jesus, the Son of God, paid the price for the sins of the world and satisfied God's anger so that believers in Christ would have peace first with the creator of peace. You cannot expect to have real peace that is not based on circumstances, that is not just the absence of conflict or snoozed until the, or your problem snoozed until the last minute, if we do not first have peace with the creator of peace. If we want to have lasting peace, we need to recognize like King Hezekiah to trust in the giver of peace. And I believe you can make that important decision today to find lasting peace by confessing your sins to God, trusting in him as Lord of your life and believing that God has raised his son from the dead. And the second thing I think of when, we, when we're looking at how to live in peace, in the peace that Christ brings, I think of the story of Peter walking on the water. If you would just listen in as I read Matthew chapter 14, 25 through 33, it says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. This is Jesus talking. He said, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. 
Then those who were on the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. First application point we see of how we can live in the peace that Christ brings is we have to spend uninterrupted time with God. Jesus was late to the boat with his disciples because he knew how valuable time with the Father is. We, as people, cannot just go from one thing to another without stopping and taking the time to be with our Heavenly Father, who has given us the great gift of peace. And to find peace, it is spent resting in the promises of our Father, and that means we have to prioritize time with Him, because there are so many things that are going on in this world and so many things that are constantly buying for our attention. But what God did is he gave up the most precious thing he had in his son so that he would have your attention for all eternity. And when we spend time alone with God, we change our focus. We change our focus from what's going on around us to what it is that God is trying to say to us. We need to spend uninterrupted time with him. The last thing that I believe we see in order to have peace, we keep our eyes on Jesus. We have to keep our eyes on Jesus. In this passage, Jesus walks on the lake to meet his disciples, and they're immediately scared. Jesus calls out to them to not be afraid, and bold Peter, bold Peter, says, if it is you, Jesus, tell me to come to you on the water. The winds were raging, and the waves were crashing. A storm was happening in that very moment. So Peter got out of the boat and began making his way toward him. But when he took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the storm, he he became afraid and began to sink. Peter took his eyes off Jesus, and that's when the storm got to him. When we take our eyes off Jesus and focus our attention more on the storm around us, we allow doubt and fear to creep in and change what we know to be true. The good thing is is that even when we feel like we are drowning in the weight of the world's brokenness or the current season of life we are in, God is ready to pull us out. All we have to do is cry out for help. The storm doesn't subside here. The storm is no longer our main focus. It's the person we're looking out to in the middle of the storm. We don't only keep our eyes on Jesus here in the present, but we look forward to the day when Christ will return. That's what Advent is about. Looking back to the day peace was brought into the world through the birth of Jesus and also how God is going to bring eternal peace when he makes all things new in the future. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older things has passed away. Real life, I believe we can have lasting peace even through all the world's brokenness. And it comes through a relationship with God's son. We can remain in this peace if we continue to keep our eyes on Jesus. And now as I close, I wanna take the time to pray for our community after an incredibly tough week and for all those within the community today, including our local first responders who are going out to search through all the destruction. If you would, in real life, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we need you now. We are crying out for help. God, would you bring peace 
and hope to our community that is, in 2023 has experienced so much. God, show us more of who you are. Lord, be, be the thing that we look out to in the middle of the storm. Lord, would you allow us to turn the lies of the enemy on volume two? And Lord, would we be able to focus in and hear what you're saying to us on volume 10? God, thank you for lasting peace that is not based upon our circumstances. We can have in every situation, God, thank you for this. Thank you for the gift that you've brought in your son, Jesus, that one day we can look forward to his return where he will bring eternal peace or that he will make all things new. He will redeem his creation, Lord even in the midst of destruction like we just experienced in this past week, God, we have peace as your people. And I pray today that we would be messengers of that peace, that we would go out into our community, that we would be your hands and feet, and we would, Lord, proclaim the good news of great joy that through your son Jesus, peace has entered into the world. I thank you. Thank you for the gift of knowing your son. Lord, allow us to remain in your peace today. We pray all of this in your heavenly name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.